good morning. Happy Sunday, everyone. Hello to everyone who's watching at home. Here we are, week number two of Dirty Bible Words, tackling concepts, words, vocabulary that is all over the Bible, but seems offensive to modern culture here and now. We're going to dive into another Dirty Bible Word today. Sir, will you take this woman to be your wife? Will you be guided by the counsel and direction God has given in his word and love your wife as Christ loved the church? Will you be faithful to her? Cherish her, support her, and help her in sickness and in health as long as you both shall live? If so, answer, I will. And you. Will you take this man to be your husband? Will you be guided by the counsel and direction God has given in his word and submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ? Will you be faithful to him, cherish him, support him, and help him in sickness and in health as long as you both shall live? If so, answer, I will. Now, those are the official words, word for word, of this official looking book that I use as a pastor when I lead a wedding. And if you had to bet a hundred bucks for your favorite Bible, which word gets the most attention when family and friends are gathered, I, I bet you could figure out what that word is. Submit. Will you submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ? As a pastor who's only served here in America in the 21st century, every time I do that vow, I add some words that are not in this book. I take a little tangent to talk about what submission is and what submission isn't. I try to crash course, clarify what that means. Because I know it's an offensive word, and it's a word that can be misunderstood or misapplied. In fact, I think it's such an offensive word that every single time a couple has asked me not to use these vows but to write their own vows, there is a word that never appears in their own vows. You want to guess what that word is? No, no one chooses it. <laughs> they might, okay, the, the pastor's book officially says it. They'll repeat it, but when it comes time to expressing love and commitment and respect, no one, no one that I've ever seen in America chooses the word submit. It feels like an outdated word. An old-fashioned word. For some people, it feels or maybe has been a, a dangerous word, a demeaning word. But you can't get around the fact that it's a Bible word. If you believe, like I do, that this book is a good book, and it's not just a good book, but it's God's book, you might be surprised to know that the word submit or submission shows up all over the pages of this book that God gave us. Let me show you a few examples. In the famous proverb, chapter 3, about trusting in God with your whole heart, it says, in all your ways, submit to him. Or in that long chapter about how husbands and wives should treat each other in a Christian marriage, we read these words. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Or Hebrews 13, how church should look like between pastors and church members. It says this, have confidence in your church leaders and submit to their authority. The Bible tells a lot of us a lot of the time, you guessed it, to submit. Are you, you look super excited. Are you excited that you're in church today? If you brought a friend with you for the first time, are, are, you, are you apologizing already? Oh man, oh man. I mean, let's be candid today. Is that really a good thing? I mean, how are you going to not just accept the fact that it's in the Bible, but love that it's in the Bible? 
Not just say amen because you have to and he's God, but believe deep in your heart that this is a beautiful word that God has given to us. When it can be so misused, so abused, when it has been in so many situations, how, how does this word not imply like this, right? That some people are up here and some people are down there. That some people are smarter and some people are not. That some people are superior and other people are inferior. How do you actually use the word submit without ending up with that? A huge problem. Uh, these are good questions. And I want to try to answer them for you today. Uh, today I want to grab the Bible and give you a crash course on biblical submission. And I'm going to cover four parts real fast. I'm going to teach you what submission is in the Bible I'm going to teach you where God tells you to submit. I'm going to try to explain why you and I have such a struggle submitting. And then most importantly, I'm going to tell you why Jesus redefines the concept of submission and moves it from offensive to amazing, from this dirty word to one of the Bible's most beautiful. So if you're ready to jump in, here's part number one. What is submission? The word submit in the Greek language of the New Testament is the word hypotasso. Uh, hippo means under, like a hippopotamus goes under the water. Uh, and tasso means to line up under something. It was a military term. If you were a soldier in the Greek military, they would say that you should hippotasso to your commanding officer. Right? Don't tell the general what to do. If the general makes an order, you line yourself up underneath their authority. And that kind of is what the word still means today. I actually grabbed an English dictionary. I want you to write this down. What I found out is that just the normal way this word is defined in our culture is this, to yield to the authority or will of another person. All right, so if you want A, and there's someone in your life who has God-given authority that wants B, instead of fighting or instead of you know, forcing them to get what you want, we're supposed to keep a toss. We're supposed to yield to that God-given authority. And I really liked reading that definition because even though the word submit makes us a little bit nervous and skittish, I, I, bet, I bet just today you ran into the concept of yielding and were not offended by it. Let me show you a picture of what I mean. You seen one of these today on your way to church? You get into that turn lane and the arrow flashes, yield. Yield. Actually, all this week I've been, when it flashes, I say, submit. Submit. <laughs> submit. <laughs> because that's what it's saying, right? Uh, the people who are coming from the other direction have the right of way. Uh, it doesn't mean they're better drivers than you. It doesn't mean they're more important than you. City planners just organize a city that says, if you're in this lane and they're in that lane, it's not, we're going to figure out who goes first. If I'm in this lane, I always yield to the right away of another person. Can you imagine for a second if our community or if every city didn't have some sort of system for submission like that? Can you imagine if Milwaukee or Chicago had no lights or signs if every intersection was uncontrolled? Can you imagine? Would you drive there? Would you send your 16-year-old niece or your little sister? No, I mean, the person with the most monster truck would always win, right? So smart city planners know, hey, we need a system that creates law and order, a system where some people submit and yield instead of everyone crashing into each other. If we didn't, uh, it'd be like one of those big figure eight tracks. Have you seen those? <laughs> you know, where people are so close of smashing into each other and someone getting really hurt, right? In city planning, 
Submission, yielding, is not offensive. It's actually for the greater good. And maybe it costs you a little bit of time when you tap the brakes when you're in that lane, but it's for your benefit and theirs that someone is commanded to submit. And what wise city planners do in their cities, our Heavenly Father does in his world. There are certain lanes, certain relationships, where God doesn't say, well, we'll get to the intersection and figure it out. He knows that if that was the case, the person with the monster truck personality would win. And so God says, if, if this is you or if that's you, you are in the, the submission lane. Your job is to yield to the person who's been given the right of way. It's not because he's saying anyone is better or worse, someone's smarter or less intelligent, superior or inferior. It's just a system that God has set up for law and order and the safety of the greater good. Which brings us to part two. As I had a chance to read every single Bible passage in this book that uses the word submit or submission, I found five specific lanes, five relationships where God commands certain people to yield. Uh, grab a pen, I'm going to move fast. I want you to write all five down. All right? First of all, the Bible says that everyone, that all of us, should submit to God. You, me, everyone is in the yield lane when it comes to God. Uh, James 4 verse 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. So if you're wondering how I figured out to fill in that blank, there's the proof. <laughs> right? So if you think something, but in the Bible you find out that God thinks something else, you, know, you don't try to force God to hipotasso to you. You recognize humbly he's God. I'm not. And you submit. You yield to his authority. You know, maybe you think, well, it's okay to do this. But if the Bible says, no, actually, that's not okay with God, you assume that God knows better and you submit. There's one passage in the book of Romans that actually says when it comes to your forgiveness and salvation, getting to heaven, it's so important to submit. Lots of people think, well, I got to do enough and I got to make enough good choices. If I'm not a good enough person, I'm not going to make it to heaven. And God says, no, 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 actually, that's not how it works. It's all about Jesus, who died on the cross once for all, he paid it all. He didn't do 90% of the work or 99.999% of the work. He did all of the work. So if you think it's about being good to get to heaven, submit your own way of thinking to this free gift that God has given you. Submit to his righteousness. By the way, whenever we call God the Lord, we're submitting to him. It means he gets the last word. Whenever we call Jesus a king, we're submitting to him because he gives the final commandment. So all of you, myself included, we submit ourselves to God. Number two, in the Bible, I also learned that residents are called to submit to their government. Book of Romans, chapter 13, is the longest explanation of this. It says, it is necessary, not optional, necessary to submit to the authorities. So unless the, the local government or the state government or the national government commands that you sin, well, you couldn't submit to that because you're submitting to God. So if they tell you something that's not sinful, the Bible says, do it. You might not like it. It might not be your first choice. You might get to the end of the year and say, you know what? I'd like to pay $0 in property taxes. <laughs> no, well, they say, here's how much you owe, you submit. I might not love that the street outside my house is 25 miles an hour, but the government's job isn't to submit to what Mike wants. My, my job is to submit to what they say. High school kids, 
if the government says you can't drink until you're 21, well, you don't get to decide your own rules. You submit to the governing authorities. If the government says in this state you can't smoke weed, you don't got to find some website to figure out, like, oh, is it really that bad? No. Unless they're asking you to sin, you submit to their ultimate authority. It is not optional, but necessary to submit to the governing authorities. Number three. Deserves a little more explanation, but the Bible, thirdly, teaches us that employees should submit to their bosses. A couple of passages say something like this. Uh, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters. Ah, I really need about 11 minutes to explain what slavery was like in the first century. Uh, Don't think of African coastal kidnapping, race-based, you can't escape, American South Civil War. Now, in the first century, teachers and musicians and most people in big cities were considered slaves, right? You would work for the master. They would pay you back for your work. Even today, don't we sometimes say, I was slaving away at work? Kind of the concept in the first century, all right? I should explain that more, but let me get back to the point. It says here that slaves or employees should, in reverent fear of God, submit to their masters. So we should submit to our manager our boss, Um, we should do what they say unless they ask us to sin, and we should do it with joy and respect. We should be the kind of employees that we would want working for us if we were in authority. The boss should never have to wonder what we're whispering about, talking about, or doing when he or she is not watching. And so if the, the boss says, hey, no personal calls at work, personal emails are for personal time, then we respect that. It doesn't matter what our coworkers are doing. We submit ourselves to our masters out of reverent fear for God. They might not be great masters, the Bible even says, but because we love God and respect him, we want to be selfless when we show up to work. Number four, the Bible says wives should submit to their husbands. It's actually the number one thing that wives are commanded to do in the Bible. Husbands are most often commanded to love and wives are most often commanded to submit. Here's the proof. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So a wife in every marriage is put in the yield lane. 97% of the time, she can do what she wants, but that 3% of the time, when if she gets what she wants and he gets what he wants, there's going to be a big crash. God says to wives right here, submit yourself. Freely choose out of respect and love and humility to submit yourself to your husband as you do to the Lord. Finally, number five. Christians are all called to submit to their pastors. The book of Hebrews tells us, have confidence in your leaders, your church leaders, and submit to their authority. So we can have good, healthy conversations But if your pastor, your church leadership team is telling you to do something that's not sinful, you should respectfully obey. You should submit. Um, You could read Hebrews 13 after church. It says you should try to make your pastor's job a joy. That's the goal. I should serve you well, and when you walk through the parking lot and I see you come in, I shouldn't hide in the bathroom. (laughs) I should be like, yes, what a joy it is to pastor this person. They don't always agree with me. We don't always see eye to eye, but they're respectful, they're loving, they're submissive just like the Bible says. So put it all together and you get this summary. 
When you study submission in the scriptures, we are all supposed to submit to God, submit to our government, submit to our bosses, wives submit to husbands, Christians submit to pastors. That's pretty simple. I just proved it to you from the Bible. So let's pray. Sorry. Sorry, before the prayer, Pastor. One second, one second. Not to be like un- unsubmissive, anti-submissive. What's the word? I, but real, I have a few questions. In fact, I have a whole bunch of questions. How much time do we have today? Are you saying, Pastor, that when I disagree with you in church that you're right and I'm wrong? I didn't say that. I just quoted the passage on submit. Are, are you saying, come on, Pastor, is this some, some cover to say that old chauvinist thing that when a husband and wife don't see eye to eye, the husband's always right, he knows better. No. Nope, I actually didn't say that at all. I just quoted the word of God that a wife should submit to her husband. Are you saying God takes the side of every government? He's given them authority to do whatever they want? No. No, no, no. I definitely did not say that. I just said from the Bible, it's necessary to submit to the authorities. No. Oh, yeah, pastor, but what's your job again? Oh, that's right. You're a pastor. I bet you came up with the sermon series, huh? I bet you picked the topics, pastor, didn't you? Oh, and what's that on your finger? Oh, it's a ring. I forget. Are you the husband or what? Oh, that's right. You're the husband. Wow. Pretty convenient for you to get what you want all the time. <laughs> right now. Now, I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, some of you, have you ever led something? Have you ever been the person with the authority who gets the final word? Have you ever been the referee in the court or managed the team at work or been on like the, the parent-teacher board and have to make the decision for the school? Is it a glamorous job? <laughs> Power-hungry people getting what they want. That's actually a, a hard job. But there's some fair pushback here because, you know, the fact is that sometimes these authorities that God has given the right of way, sometimes they're awful. If you have had some personal experience with an authority who has used their authority not to love you and bless you and protect you, but for their own selfish gain, if you've been in a relationship, married to a man, escaped from a man, who was nothing like Jesus to his church, who ignored the call that God gave to him to love and sacrifice to be like Christ, but instead was just all ripping the page out of the scriptures, taking the verse out of context to force you to do what he wants. I I can't imagine. Like if you got out of that and then you come and you're hearing a message like this. There's lots of immigrants who come to our church who have ended up in America because they fled brutal dictatorships. They've endured unspeakable things. And now to hear this. Or maybe you're one of the many people who's had a a pastor who was nothing like Jesus, the ultimate pastor. A pastor who behind the scenes was like a moral monster. If you've had a really bad traumatic experience with an authority, I, I can only imagine how triggering and difficult some of these passages might be. And honestly, this is the moment I wish that this wasn't a sermon, but a series of sermons. I wish I had about an hour and a half to go to all these relevant subpoints and tell you what the Bible says about them. That 
I would tell you that God is the authority above the authorities. That when a husband is cruel to his wife, when a government uses its power and its military to oppress people, God sees it, he knows it, and he will judge it. No one gets away with an abuse of power because Jesus is the king above the kings and he is the Lord above the lords. And I want to try to show you from both Old Testament and New that if you're living under an authority who asks you to sin, with the blessing of God, you do not have to submit to them. When Pharaoh wanted the little Israelite boys dead, the midwives rebelled against his authority and God loved and blessed them. When the government and the church told the apostles to stop talking about Jesus, they rebelled and God's face shined upon them. Sometimes you have to say no to your authority because you're saying yes to your ultimate authority. You're submitting to God. And I would show you how throughout the Bible, God walks with those who are oppressed by the powers that be. And when Jesus came into the world and people were living under the heavy thumb of the Pharisees, Jesus was close to the brokenhearted. How the words of the Old Testament prophets are filled with God's love for those who have been oppressed, who don't have the resources to fight back. They don't have the lawyers or the privilege or or anything, and yet God is on their side. I would love to show you all of that. And, And I would love to explain to you functionally how this ministry works, how my marriage works. That I'm actually, do you know this? I'm I'm not the senior pastor of the core or of 92 ministries. There's someone who is above me. (laughs) The other day in the back, I tried to use my uh, my church key to get into a room, and I was denied access. All right, so I don't come up with the budget. I don't get the ultimate authority. It's not how it works. It's the same with time of grace. If you're watching at home, I don't come up with a budget for time of grace, set my own salary. I live under the authority of other people. And if I could give you a glimpse into my home, you can talk to my wife after church. I I hope I don't. You can ask her. Beat her over the head and control her with these verses on submission, even though I have them memorized. uh, There's like one time where I tried to pull the submission card where I asked, hey, what's for dinner? Kim says, "Uh, chicken and vegetables. And I said, we're going to Taco Bell. (laughs) She said, I want to keep you alive. And I said, wives must submit to their husbands in everything. (laughs) So we had chicken and vegetables that night. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, mean, there are times that we disagree in in a good marriage. I hope almost all the time you can work it out through honest conversation. I, I would love to explain all of that to get uh, rid of the, the misuse and the misapplication of this word. But, but since we're being really honest today, i got to ask, is your reluctance with this word because of the dictatorship you ran from or the abuser you escaped from or the pastor who is hiding some monstrous sin? Or or is your real reluctance to this word that you just don't want to? That at the end of the day, you kind of want the pastor, the president, the government, the husband, and God to just do what you want. This passage in the book of Romans where we find the word submit. The Apostle Paul says in verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. 
the flesh is that part of my heart and yours that just wants what it wants. And this passage says that when the flesh governs your mind, when it's controlling your thoughts, your words, and your behavior, here's what happens. It does not submit, not even to God. It's not even capable of doing so. I got to ask you a really tough question. Is your struggle with submission, does it feel like a dirty Bible word because you just want what you want? If I looked at some of your social media pages and saw what you said about the government, would I call you a submissive citizen? Or do you just take the protection, take the blessing, take all the functional, beautiful parts of American culture? I'll, I'll take all of that. But if the president, if the government doesn't do what I want, are you respectful? If I could listen in on all of your political conversations, would you have the, the heart of Jesus and David who didn't always agree with the authorities, but they showed uncommon respect? Or, or, Will you make any politician pay if they don't do what you want? Wait till the next election. Wives, it's dangerous for me to speak to wives as a husband, but I, I got to ask, if I ask your husband, is she submissive? What would he say? We almost laugh about it, but in 1 Peter 3, it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. Beautiful women in biblical times, the scripture says, would submit themselves to their husbands like Sarah did to Abraham. Have you been so immersed in modern American culture that you wink and we smile and we crack jokes and we add asterisks and we put in explanations because you just don't want to? I mean, can you imagine for a second if the tables were turned? Imagine I was in one of those countries where women definitely submitted and men were just mean to their wives. If I get to the passage that says, husbands, love your wives, and we all winked at each other, what would you think? You would say, I don't care what this culture says. God was, God was not winking. He was not laughing. He meant those words to husbands. And I would say to modern American women, your heavenly father meant these words for you. A wife should submit to her husband in everything as she does to the Lord. I'm not making up those words. When you and your husband disagree, do you honor and respect him? Share your thoughts, your experiences. But at the end of the day, when he makes a decision that isn't your decision, what do you do? Do you support him? Or do you question him? Talk to your girlfriends about him? Hope his idea fails? I told you so. What has happened if even within the Christian church, we are embarrassed to read the words, a husband is the head of his wife? What happens in the church? What happens when authority is gone, when every person 
thinks they have the right to get the final word. Now, friends, these things are not easy, not for me and not for you, but don't you see what happens if we throw out the word submit? If in our desire to get what we want, if we tear down every yield sign and and climb up to rip down the flashing yellow arrows, if at the end of the day, I'm going to try to get what I want and you're going to try to get what you want and Kim's going to fight for her way and I'm going to fight her back for my way, if there is no system, if we all end up in that spot, what happens? You've seen what happens. You've seen, we're getting closer to that happening. When, when we will run at the Capitol because we can't submit to the, to the vote we don't like. And we will tear apart culture at the threads. Marriages will fray. Ch- churches will implode with internal drama. Do you, do you not see that if you do not have a submissive heart, if you're going to fight for what you want every time, you will ruin the world that God created. You will crash into things that God loves. And every institution that he set up with God-given authority, the church, the home, and the state, you and I will be the cause of its destruction. Now, our Father says, out of truth and love, submit to me when I tell you to submit to them. I realize today is a a hard word. But it's a word that we need. I can't claim to be a teacher of the Bible if I don't actually teach the Bible. And I can't say that I fear God if I fear your reaction more than the word of God. And my hope and my prayer in preaching this sermon today is not just that you would find Fine, that's what it says. My hope is that you would see with fresh eyes that when God sets up these yield lanes, it is for our good. It's not easy. It costs us. It slows us down. We don't always get what we want in the nation we live in, the church we're a part of, or the marriage that we have vowed to be faithful to. But it is so good, and it has to be because it comes from God. And it has to be good because submission is the way that we were saved. It's the last thing I want to share with you today. I want to show you a picture. Do any of you recognize this picture? Uh, you might have missed it, but when most of you walked into church today, maybe through those doors, you walked literally right underneath this massive cross that hangs in our church's lobby, a, a cross that was created as we thought deeply as a church about submission. Many years ago, back in 2014, we had a whole sermon series on submission. It was during that series that a local artist named Tom created this cross. He engraved it with Bible passages on submission. And I wonder, do you know what's on the front of that cross? The words of Jesus. Because right before he died on the cross for you, before he shed his blood on that Friday to pay for every one of your sins, Jesus submitted And if you remember when he's in the garden, he's thinking about the hell that he's about to suffer on the cross. And he says, Father, if there is any other way, please take this cup from me. 
But you know what Jesus said next? Yet, Father, not my will, but yours be done. The Father said, here's the mission. And Jesus said, I don't want to drink that cup. But he lined up underneath the will of his heavenly Father. He was sub to the mission of saving you from your sins. When you see this cross in our church or walk beneath that cross in the lobby, do you think, I love submission? My Savior ended up there because he had a submissive heart. My Jesus, who was so strong and so capable, he wasn't inferior to anyone. And yet, in his relationship with the Father, he came to do his will, not his own. And because Jesus did, because he didn't fight to get what was easier or more convenient, you and I are forgiven. Right? Salvation happened through submission. <laughs> because I too often fight to put myself first, Jesus said, I'll go second. Because, because Jesus bent the knee, I can lift up my hands to a father who has covered me in the beauty of Christ. I would say it this way, you can't hate a word that saved you. <laughs> you can't say, fine, if it's the word that redeemed you. You can't call submission dirty if it's the very thing that made you clean. And so don't just see the blinking yellow arrow as this signal, fine, I gotta slow down, you first, whatever you want. See it there, submit. Submit. Because Jesus submitted. He yielded to his heavenly Father and the result is the most beautiful thing in the world. It's you and I being saved. If I wanted to change your mind about biblical submission, I, I would say this. It is good for us in the long run, and it is the way that the greatest thing happened to us. So, what would it look like for you to leave church today or to finish watching at home and to be 20% more submissive? How's that for a prayer request at your next Bible study? What would it look like to go back to work or to be a part of your church or to be a citizen of this nation, to go back into your marriage and be 20% more submissive, 20% more respectful? What would you do? What would you stop doing? What would you pray for? What would you apologize for? What would be your goal so that your husband or your God or your pastor or your governor, the authorities that God has given for your good, so they look at you and say, wow, what is different about him, about her? I'll tell you this much. We live in a culture that has no love for submission. And that means if you are a submissive Christian, you will shine brightly in a very dark world. In a world where most bosses are used to the eye rolls and the feet dragged and the phone pulled out during work hours. If you're the one who works faithfully and submits to your boss, you will stand out and shine brightly as a Christian. If in a world where everyone's fighting in their relationships for their truth, their hopes, their dreams, if you come in respectful, selfless, like Jesus was to his father, to his church, you will be a beautiful person to date and be with. If I can be like Jesus and love you as a good shepherd, and if you can be like Jesus with a submissive, respectful heart, this church will be such a beautiful place that none of us will want to run from. And submission is not an easy word, but it's one of God's best. And I believe that because I've seen it right here. 
2014, I've been a pastor here for just a couple months, and we decided to tackle our first like tough topic, edgy, make people nervous. It was a series called Submission, dot, dot, redeeming America's least favorite word. It was the first time I, as a pastor, had dug into the word and all of its uses in the Bible. And in one of those sermons, I came up with this little two-word phrase that really captured, to me, the essence of being a submissive person. Two words, just eight letters. I, I spoke them, and then God did something really big with them. After people heard that sermon, they kept saying those two words back to me. And the more you said it back, the more I kept repeating them in future sermons, and the more it kind of seeped into the DNA of our church. It snowballed and it snowballed until it became like the defining phrase that would define what this church, what this ministry is all about. Two words, eight letters. Maybe you saw them on the t-shirts when you came in. Let me show you a picture just in case you missed it. You first. I mean, I could take the best seat, but you first. I could park in that closest spot, but you first. I could make church all about me. Uh -uh. I want a better church than that. You first. I could just hang out with my people in some little Christian clique. No, I want to love the first-time guest who walks through the doors. You first. Whether you're under authority or in authority, a a submissive heart, a selfless heart, a you-first heart, makes us so blessed. As Kim and I so often say in our marriage, me first makes a mess. But you first makes us blessed. And that, my friends, is why today I will not apologize or edit or add an asterisk. I will say with truth, with love, and with conviction, submit. Because this is a beautiful Bible word. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, Man, help us to use this word well. I didn't take enough time to speak to those who have authority in this room, but I pray they would use it just like you do. You're a father who always gets the final word, and yet that final word is always for the good of your children and for your church. So for everyone here who is listening, who's a pastor or a parent, who's a boss, who's a husband, God, help us to lead with humility, love, and sacrifice, just like Jesus did. I'm praying today, God, especially for the United States of America. And we are blessed with such incredible freedoms. It it is really a gift to have been born and raised in this country, but this is perhaps our fatal flaw, our rights. God, in loving our rights, help us not to do what's wrong. In speaking our mind in this beautiful freedom of speech, help us not to cross the line into disrespect or dishonor. God, I think a lot of us see it and it scares us. What could happen if everyone's fighting for what they want? Save us from that, God. Save this nation. And I pray for every relationship that's here today, God. I pray for every future marriage, every current marriage. God, may may homes, just like the Bible says, be filled with love and respect. As Jesus loves his church, may husbands love their wife. As the church submits to Christ, may wives submit to their husbands. God, you could write a new chapter in some marriages and families who are here today. You could restore what selfishness has broken. You could heal some deep wounds. And it starts with two people who both individually decide, I'm going to put my spouse first. God, when there's a lot of history behind us, that's really hard to do. So send your spirit to give us strength, give us power, help us to believe that saying you first really does make us blessed. 
Um, I thank you for everyone here today who's had ears to hear a hard word. May I be blessed, may we be blessed, may this church be better, and may our faith be stronger because of it. We'll probably sing this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.